Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Again, you are listening to the Let's Talk Hemp podcast. I am your host, Morris Beagle. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show that never ends. We skipped last week as I celebrated another trip around the sun and spent some time going to a couple of high school basketball games with my son, Maxwell. It's always good to make time for family and for yourself. And if you are not doing that in today's world, my advice to you is to give it a shot. You will be surprised at the positive difference that it can make. This week brings us episode seven and the final segment of the tie tapes. I wrap things up with Ben and Alan Dronkers, who without question have had the most significant impact on the global cannabis and hemp space with their companies Hemp Flax and Cincy Seeds, along with their Cannabis Museum in Amsterdam and the Hash Marijuana and Hemp Museum in Barcelona. You can Google both of these gentlemen and get a wealth of information on the importance of their contributions to this movement and to this industry. I'm going to start off with a short interview I did with Ben on my last day in Thailand, and then we'll go into the interview with Alan which from a recording standpoint, we had some audio issues with volume levels dropping out and some wind in the background. The good folks at PodCon X did their best to clean things up. So a big thanks to Dan and Jamie for their help. And with that, let's get to the conversation with Ben and Alan Dronkers. And here we are last day at Cincy Villa, Asia International Hemp Expo, back end gathering here, sitting with Ben Drockers, founder of the modern day hemp and cannabis industry, Cincy Seeds, Hemp Flax, and thank you for everything you've done, and thanks for the hospitality, hosting thank us. You're welcome. Nice. Yeah, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful gathering. It was really fun. Yeah. We enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. We've got to have some really nice conversations here. Yeah, we did. It's amazing pretty optimistic for the future of cannabis, at least in this country. Yes, it can be, because it's amazing what happened. Um, we come here to, as you know, as the group we always did, like we started in uh, Kyoto, uh, the Kyoto Hemp Forum, to, to change the mindset of people. But we don't have to do that here anymore. The mindset of the people is quite okay. Of course, not, not yet 100%, but... Uh, overall, the, the Thai people, they realize it's their old culture also, and their old medicine. And that's, uh, that makes it much easier. Like in Japan, was very difficult. Nevertheless, Japan has one of the most beautiful cannabis cultures in the world. And um, people totally forgot. Or maybe they didn't forgot, but they, they are so law-binding that they don't even think about it, talk about it. That's interesting. But here we are in Thailand and things are pretty much 100% legal for all lanes of the cannabis plant. We've got dispensaries, we've got research going on and government support. Well, the beauty is that uh, what I like the most is that everybody can grow his own. Uh, everybody talking medicine, like, like in Holland, uh, you can get medicine from the pharmacy and from the doctor. And, but like in countries like Thailand and, and Asia, 
You have a lot of poor people. They don't have money even for the bus. So they can grow their own in the garden now again. And that is for me the most important step, you know, that everybody can grow their own. And I think also the most important thing. If you grow a lot, you can grow a lot. If you sell it, you can sell it. You can do what you want. It is totally legal. And that is how it should be. Totally free. Do you see the industrial fiber and grain sector being able to flourish here at some point in time? Yes, for sure, you know. It is uh, inevitable that everywhere they will grow hemp. Everywhere people can grow hemp, industrial, as a new crop. But for food it's very important. For all the other materials, building materials, uh, like you know, Hempflex makes, uh, we make a lot of insulation. We have a beautiful insulation factory in Germany now. And we recently discovered, discover, actually we knew it a bit already before, but now we know sure that in, in Holland we make insulation for the cold. And it works very good. Uh, and that, But it works also with glass fiber or rock wool. But we find, of course, that the natural product hemp is better but hemp is also much better to keep the heat out. To, you know, it's not the cold, but the heat. And that is amazing. We did test, you know, uh, with rock fiber, uh, glass fiber, and hemp fiber. And when you put a lamp on top and the, the meters under it to measure the, the temperature, uh, in, in a few minutes, the, the heat goes through the glass fiber. In a few, few minutes. But... In hemp, it's stuck at 36 degrees for a long time. So that is, you know, here also the, on daytime, you have a few hours very hot, and then it cools off again. So this will insulate uh, buildings. We knew that already because there are some, uh, we also have some grow rooms in Sensi Seed, and they are all insulated with uh, hemp. And this summer it was 28 degrees outside, and without any air condition or anything, we keep it about 18 inside. It was amazing. So it's uh, really, it, it's really amazing stuff that uh, keep us cool. You know, <laughs> well, what does 18 degrees Celsius yeah, uh, equate to in Fahrenheit? I do you always, know? I have, uh, <laughs> we do. We, if you, they here, they ask me how many feet. You know, I have two feet. I have no idea. We're talking about meters and centimeters and and. and Celsius. So well, us Americans, we uh, we don't use the metric system, and I don't so know. You, you, you translated this yeah, for me. But it is, uh, <laughs> in here now, it's about around 30 degrees Celsius. Right. So it's, Which is warm. Yes, it, I don't know how much of it is in Fahrenheit. You know how much now the temperature it's is? It's like 89 or 90 degrees, something, something like, like that. that huh? Yeah. Mm. But anyway, that is... Uh, Again, you know, one of the benefits of hemp that it works in so many things and in, in the building materials uh, they need it, uh, food, everything. Textiles coming, you know, so everything is... Uh, the, the world will change with hemp. That is what Jack Herrer, that was a very close friend of mine, we always believed in it and then we always saw it coming, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. It took so long, it took so long. And how long are we on the barricades already? 40 years or something? And finally the tide just sweep it away, and 
make it all legal. That is, uh, in all these countries where they are the brains, you know, America, Europe, we have no brains. They still think it's, it's drugs, you know. We are still drug dealers. We, we produce insulation for many, many houses. We, have a, we do it on our large, large scale. And they still, still think we are drug dealers or what, you know, because it's cannabis. It's, uh, it's insane. So the, all these idiots, also in America, who are still against it, they should have to wake up or go and shame yourself, you know. Well, we're trying our best and following the lead of what you've done over the years. And it's just a, inspiring to see Thailand take this step. And I know that they've been doing research for the last 10 or 15 years in various areas of the industry and the plant and I just wish the rest of the world would view this plant and approach this like this government is doing right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So keep on going. You do a great job. And well, you guys who are listening, stand up and fight for your right. Okay? We will. All Thank right. you for everything, Ben. Thank Appreciate you it. Guys. All right. Take Ciao. care. Bye. The last day at Cincy Villa, sitting here with Alan Dronkers. For those of you that don't know, which most of you I'm sure do, Alan is part of the Hemp Flax family and the Cincy family and a pioneer for this industry and a leader and totally appreciate everything you've done for the plant, Alan. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey. You know? Well, it was great to hook up with you here in Thailand at the uh, expo. What do you think of the expo? Well, it's where this long journey brought us together again, you know? And the beautiful thing is that we're not alone anymore. We're, we're a big family now. And the, world, the, the family starts to be a world family. Like we had friends from Mongolia and now Kenya and, and Malaysia and people were coming from everywhere to Thailand to, to come together and I really love to see that. We are, the world is changing now, not just our own countries or our own neighborhoods or whatever, you know? Right. We are going on a different scale. And the most amazing thing that I sort of try to get across to everybody here is that it's actually the government that's doing it in Thailand. That comes as a surprise based on the history that you've had and we've all had, don't you think? Right, you know, we're sort of used to that we have to convince people from the government about everything and, you know, get them sort of to understand what we're talking about and defend positions that we believe in. And that's exactly what they are doing here. It's like if some, if some strange story comes into the news, like the, the Bangkok mayor was, because of political reasons talking very bad about cannabis and he said that even somebody died in his city because of now legal cannabis then you see that there's a national government response you see that it's not us that has to sort of like climb in the defense towers and rebuke them with, with, with science but it's the government that actually comes around and say hey you know nobody ever died in the world of cannabis this is not possible and that's it you know, and that makes it very powerful. That makes it much more 
easy for the whole movement that exists here in Thailand. They are not opposing anybody. They're with the government. And the government is with them. And this all on the basis, first of all, of their own history, their own perspective on this plant where it's been a traditional medicine for a thousand years. So, you know, it's beautiful. The story of cannabis in Thailand is beautiful and it shocked and amazed everybody to see how fast things changed here. And the public opinion also changed with that. Because if the government is pushing the message, it's very easy to, to change public opinion. We've seen that on many kind of subjects. But when it concerns cannabis and hemp, then it's, it's very powerful. It's like what we, we need decades to get through, you know, can be done in a very fast and efficient way if the national media and the government is actually pushing the message. It's quite different than what we've had in the United States and throughout Europe and other parts of the world. Right. It was quite shocking to see that. And it's been endorsed by the, I guess the monarchy king and the queen have put out initiatives to support agriculture and to support this industry and the development and the research. Yes, it started with that. It started 15 or 20 years ago, around that time, the, the Queen of Thailand basically set up a project for the Hmong tribe people in the mountains of the north of Thailand. And they actually use hemp for religious purposes. They actually believe that you need to wear hemp fiber at important occasions. But especially when you die, you should wear the hemp clothes of your grandmother or your grandfather so you can find each other at the other side. That's literally what they believe. Really? So there is this cultural thing where there's still a tribe in the mountains of Thailand that sincerely believe in cannabis, fibers as part of their tradition, supported by the queen. And this was picked up by a special man also that we were lucky to meet this time. His name was Dr. Wirachai that actually ran this program for, for the Queen and it took about 10 years before they created four varieties here in Thailand that they want, wanted to distribute for the Hmong people. So yes, it started with a, with a royal initiative and I think also when, when people started to talk about CBD and children with with epilepsy, there was probably also from the royal family again endorsement to to make sure that this becomes available to the people. In Thailand, it's 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 these these you, you always need more than just the government in Thailand. You need a you need a royal backup, and you need also the army to agree. And I think that within the past seven or eight years all these three came together on this subject and followed this special department of traditional and alternative medicine that already existed under the Ministry of Health. 
So what we have is we're very well educated doctors, but also doctors that are connected to the traditional herbal medicine. And in fact, they are forming the powerhouse for policy right now in Thailand. And I will not be surprised if they are going to function as the cannabis bureau, like we have a cannabis bureau in the Netherlands. And, and national governments need to create to monopolize and, 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 and control the market according to the international treaties. Right? So they're, they're unique. They're unique to us because, you know, also here when I was talking with these, at the beginning it was funny, right? Also here the government was like, oh, you know, uh, smoking is not a medicine and uh, only extracts are medicine. That was the first thing that the government sort of trying to, was trying to push towards. And I don't know why, but when I talked to all these traditional medicine doctors, including the other, they have many studied both type of medicine, and you know, when I talk to them, I say the flower is the medicine, right? It's always been the medicine, in all your recipe, it's the medicine. And they can only confirm that, right? It's not extracts, there were no extracts a thousand years ago, you know? And when it comes to smoking, where, you know, especially Within the Western medical profession, they would snort at anyone who suggests smokable medicine, you know. In traditional medicine, it's a very normal thing that herbs are actually so-called fumigated. You know, I would smile at these doctors and say, but fumigation is a very normal thing, right? And then they can only all agree. So, the perspective towards medical cannabis is very different here because of that. Because the realization that herbs are normal, we have this tradition already for a thousand years, a lot more in fact, and fumigation or herbs that are used are not a strange thing. But we are in this position where we, we, we expect a tablet. We ex expect the standard dose to the microgram, whatever. Here it's, you have a herbal medicine and this, this was not only for cannabis, there was many herbs that were fumigated in the past. And as you, as you know, the dosage is it's just what it is, you know? It's nature, and it's not even a problem. But for, for Western medicine, this is, we could not get into this mindset, right? Correct. And the pharmaceutical industry has changed the narrative over the last 80 years, where it's tablets, it's capsules, and single... Preferably single molecules, exactly. So we lost our roots with traditional medicine completely. We don't use herbal medicine in Western medicine at all, right? Here in Thailand, you know, there is not such, not not only just a department of traditional medicine under the Ministry of Health. They have offices and clinics all over the country 
And if Thai people are sick, they can go to these traditional doctors also, and it's free. They don't have to pay anything. So it's a service that is provided by the government and that is both social towards the people and at the same time preserving their culture, preserving that important thing that is actually really theirs. You know what I mean? You mean providing health care and services to your people? I mean, for free? For free? Yes. Gee, what a concept. What a weird concept, yeah. It's even worse than what we do in Europe where we have basically medicine for everybody. Sort of a single-payer system or you right. know what I mean. We have a social medicine we provided by the state still in most European countries. It's not completely privatized. But, you know, once you're, once you're in a position where, where you, you know, like what you see in the United States where there's medical bankruptcy for people and a lot All of suffering time. and people die, actually dying because they have no access to medicine. It's just amazing that, that, that this country, Thailand, is able to to have also, you know, very small, very rich elite and, you know... The, the 99% doesn't have much, but they're good enough to, to, to provide this to the people. And if you see how many volunteers are working also in, in the medical profession, it's amazing. It's amazing. This country uh, is very special when it comes to that. And we are too individualized, uh, careless, only look at the money and, you know, compared to this society, we don't understand that. Actually caring about each other, you know. And for the government, it was, these herbal medicines were cheap. Cheap to make, cheap to organize. And then there's all these volunteers and all these people that love their history and this ancient medicine, medicinal culture that they are able to sustain this for free. So, do you see this being able to uh, spread throughout the East where other countries are going to kind of jump onto this same type of regulatory structure and government support, or do you think that's going to be challenging for a while? No, I think I'm, I'm very sure of that. Yeah. Uh, I was in Laos actually before I started to go around in Thailand uh, a lot, and I know the La Laotian government is uh, is ready to change. They're just looking what what's happening first. Um, the Minister of Health just before the elections in Malaysia visited my father at his house in Sabah to talk to him personally. This is also what you have to understand. This is not only the governments are behind this thing. We, as an industry, we as people, are listened to, are taken seriously. They're not looking at you like, oh, you want to do something with him? Oh, you must be some sort of crazy criminal, you know? Like the attitude has been in most of the world for a long time. Even him was like, oh, you want to smoke weed, right? 
this kind of attitude, here you find that they, they realize that this goes back a very long time. And there is still connection to this ancient culture. So I'm, I will see, I'm, I'm sure that others will follow Laos, Malaysia. And when it comes to us as people, uh, they made me official advisor to the Ministry of Health, uh, Agriculture here in Thailand. So the last years I'm, I'm official advisor, even though I, I don't really work, but I visited the, 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 their facilities here in Bangkok, and uh, regularly I had a group of these people come to visit at my house to, to talk about all the technical details, about some things they have been reading online and whatever, for me to clarify to the professionals within the ministry what is what is maybe a good choice of action or what what is actually meant with with what or happening in in other parts of the world. So I was able to to give them my my help and my knowledge in a way that through all these years I I gathered it in a way. And and I'm so happy, you know, because they, they, they value us for that. They, not, they don't look at us like, oh, hemp, huh? you want to smoke some more weed? No, it's not about that. They actually want to know. They actually want to learn. And 20th of this month, of December, I will even receive an honorary doctorate from the daughter of the king at the Rajapat University in Chiang Mai. So... I have no words to say, you know, how, how the past years have been working with all these doctors and professors and people from the university and also other, other universities that I was really able to, to plant the seeds of knowledge, you know, because that's, you know... We've always been planting seeds with our seed company and pushing the story of, uh, of the plant with our museums. But uh, when it came to co communication with officials, within, for example, the Dutch government, that's always been very difficult. Well, it must be gratifying to finally, after... 40 years of activism and advocacy and working in the industry to be able to be looked to to advise governments that really want to know how they can utilize this plant, how it can benefit the people and the economy, and not be something where people are going to jail and uh, where the plant's being treated like it has been for a long time all across the world. So. That's your leadership shining through, you and your family and everything that Cincy Seeds and Hemp Flax and working in all parts of the plant, so they couldn't ask for a better advisor. We did it always for people. We did it always for farmers, for sick children with epilepsy or whatever reason we had to find. It was never just an industry. It was always more because whether it was the environment or sick people or farmers or whatever, we did this for to make our society and our world a better place. 
as an industry, this this is it's always been more with than just a business perspective, right? And then to be able to to bring this to farmers in Thailand to see that the children with epilepsy in Thailand get CBD, to see that the government is behind it and the universities are researching it and it's it's actually real and and so much more normalized and appreciated in this society that I feel so much more connected to this country and so grateful that in a way I can help. Because in the end it's not me who's suffering from epilepsy or whatever medical situation. It's not me who is a poor farmer somewhere up north who is desperate to find a new crop that he can maybe get some money from, you know. This is where we we are more than just an industry. And the last days that we were together here as a group of people, that was so beautiful that we all realized this. We all realized this. Higher purpose. Yes. Uh, yeah, very high sometimes. But that's... <laughs> very high, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we... I'm very happy and very proud of everybody who is doing something in this world. You know, and me is just me. I'm just a guy. You know, I'm just bringing around message. I, I plant knowledge seeds. Right. And, and that's the same thing with the museum. You, you give people an experience and that makes them realize what their history, what their past, what they, it gives them perspective to where they are, to who they are, and what is real or not. And this is a, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to be able to do. And uh, the fact that they make me a doctor now, <laughs> it's just... Dr. Drockers. It, it's unbelievable. I, you know, this, you, I could not imagine such support in the Netherlands. We never had that support from the government in the Netherlands. We had to convince them that hemp was good. We had to push the, the subject. We had to push medicine. We had to... And still today, you're probably a funny criminal, you know, who just wants to smoke weed. And this is such a bad attitude in a country that... 30 years ago was at the forefront of cannabis in the world. So I'm very ashamed of, of how the, the situation developed over the past 30 years. We were not able to push the issue well enough even though we created Hempflex and we had a museum and we were making it possible for people to have plants. It did... Germany is going to legalize before us, so... You're left behind after I, being the leaders in the world. The Dutch people, the Dutch nation as, an all, as a whole, has been let down by, by their government the past three decades. They've been lied to from the start. They always told us that, oh, people cannot have some plants legally. That's impossible. If we look at the international treaties, this is possible. There's never been an issue. In fact, it's not even are not even illegal according to the international treaties. It's only when national governments make them illegal 
So you see, but the Dutch government has always been hiding. Oh, you know, we have, we have, uh, we have, we have obliged ourselves to the, all these treaties, and we cannot do this on our, on our own. We cannot do this ourselves. And they lied because this was not the truth. And they made it, they made medical cannabis available, but they 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 made it monopoly and still patients have no rights to grow themselves or anything it's a it's a good system but it's a very rigid system that leaves a lot of people out and still after 20 years of almost almost 20 years of a of this being legal in the Netherlands doctors still don't know anything the government or no organization has been, we've been trying to get that through, but in the end we did not do it. it that's, that would be the situation that us, private people that put all our money and work and life for what it's worth there, where we, we would even have to write a book for all the doctors in the Netherlands to explain them all about all the the latest research and and that this medicine is is safe, etc., etc., and what to use it for and how to prescribe it and first microdose, etc. These vital things also. But all you see is skepsis among the medical profession in the Netherlands because they have no information. They never got any information. The only thing they got was a letter, a warning from the ministry. Don't prescribe this too much because we're following every move of what you're doing with this. And you have to fill in these other 10 extra forms that you don't have for opioids medicine. But hey, we want to make sure that we... And this has been the policy of Holland where they, they, they want to discourage. We have a discouragement policy on cannabis the last 30 years. We want to discourage people from using cannabis. We want to discourage people from having easy access or access to medical cannabis. We want to discourage people from using this. That has been the general move. And they are still in this mindset in the Netherlands. This is the current policy. You know, if you would talk to the officials of the Justice Department there right now and ask them where's all this coming from. It's to discourage people from using this plan in whatever way. So they were never behind hemp really. They've always opposed our initiatives and wherever they could they didn't give us the subsidies or they didn't give us the support. We always had to do it all by ourselves. So now I'm the other country in the world where, you know, my wife is Thai, my children are Thai, I ended up living here because I burned out in Holland because there was no support. Even the Ministry of Health was threatening us, you know, and I was living there with little children and on top of plants, I was, I burned out. Right. I couldn't handle the stress the, anymore. I had to go and I left the Netherlands 15 years ago to live here in Thailand. And Thailand was the dangerous place, where, ooh, cannabis was even more dangerous than in the Netherlands. But then, you know, 
changed here very rapidly. And now I must say, you know, I'm proud of this country. I cannot be proud of my own. That's just the way it is. Maybe and someday. Maybe someday. We never gave up. Even though it's hard and we all we, we go almost broke many times with with our hem and with our with our whole business. We are still carrying the same goal, the same message, the same what it was accepted and what is reality here. And the Thai economy is booming with cannabis. Especially cannabis in the beginning, but I'm sure hemp will be part of this new industry in this in Southeast Asia. It seems that way based on everything that I've heard since I've been out here and the different conversations I've had and what was communicated at the expo via government officials and it's pretty exciting. I wish the rest of the world would adopt this type of mindset. Right. Where they are with us and not against us. And where we can be helpful for our for our country. Where we can actually they they help us to help. That is the goal. And I think that's where we should leave this, is with a, a moment of optimism that can we forward this Thai philosophy where they come to and could this get adopted around the world and other places. It will. Places. It will. Yeah. We will, you know, this plant will be restored in society like we wanted to see a long time ago when we, we were talking with Jack Harris and all these old people that are not anymore with us. To, to see this happening. So in memory of them, I also want to say, you know, that it's going to happen. There's a lot of people... Jack was right. Yeah. There's a lot... We were right. ...came before us that are, yeah, as you just mentioned, they were right, we're right, and without them, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. Without them, we would be nothing. Like, you know, okay, I can be a doctor here in some university, but without St. Cecil, without Hemflex, without the museum, without everything behind me. And in fact, the whole hemp movement, so not everything that is done in the world. America, that is a big example now, you know, or, and even <laughs> Germany, that's going to be the, the big example for the next level of change. But I cannot, we don't, we're not alone. We are helping each other, we are behind each other. So when we see our friend from Mongolia last time, you know, he's got the whole world hemp industry behind him right now. He sure the, does. The real professional people that were all there, you know, they can guide him. Even though he just started, they can guide to make hemp a real, a real thing in Mongolia again. And it's going to be like our friend from Kenya, Mr. Kiyama. Mm -hmm. This makes me so happy. It's so beautiful. And we, with all our knowledge, we, you know, we learned a lot. It's been hard sometimes, but, you know, there's easy ways. And sometimes we learn the hard way, you know. But we can, we can share this, right? We can, now, we can give these people power to actually make things happen so we are in a beautiful world and uh, 
Thailand is definitely one of the most beautiful places in this world. It's, uh, uh, people are so nice and considerate and good food. Good food. Oh man, don't yeah, we all experienced that. But so we had a we had a business fair here in Bangkok also that was again more than just a fair where there's where there's businesses showing their things. We had a forum and we were there as as a group, as a family where we know each other for a very long time. And we're all somewhere we're connected through this person there, there, there we have you know, we all have something to do with each other because we all depend on the development of this industry. Right? Yes. So thank you for this uh, this wonderful family feeling also that we that we had and I know you create also in the United States with what you're doing with the NOCO. The NOCO ham fair in Colorado is I think one of the top events in the world that certainly you know is doing exactly that. This you know trying to bring people together and trying to advance the the mission for the world and thank you for participating in the past and I hope that you'll join us in the future. Of course. And I'm very proud of all of you what you do. Thank well, you. I appreciate the inspiration from you and your father and the movement that you've been so important to creating um, around the world and here in Thailand. And I'm glad that you're now a doctor and you're an advisor to the government. And yeah. Again, they couldn't ask for probably a better representative to help explain all the possibilities and opportunities that exist with this plant. We do it with passion and love. That's it. Two of the most important things in this world, if not the most important. Thank you so much. All right. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.